Welcome to another episode of Be Now. It's the show where nothing needs to happen because it's already happening. Be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Ura, ura, la. problem is like always going to come and love maybe, the process yeah maybe you've chosen the right one this time so like the problem's not a bad thing i guess is what i'm trying to say the mm-hmm. problem in programming you just move from error to error and like the best sign is often that you have a new error mm-hmm. so a new error is a good thing it means you're moving forward so right. that process is interesting and mm-hmm. fun it and you, you learn a lot yeah, yeah it makes you human mm-hmm. no one's perfect yeah yeah. All right, three, two, one. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. I'm I'm super excited to be here. Me too, man. Yeah, um, yeah we know each other from the comedy group and yeah. improv, and um, yeah, know each other for like, for like a few years now or something, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. maybe a year and a half, two years, something like that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how are you feeling? I'm excited. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so to be on. The podcast is like, I'm going to listen to myself and I'm just like pumped. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. So to make sure you hear Chris, can you come a little bit closer? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's kind of feel like the spatial mic. Um, yeah. So hey, so you listened to the one, I think uh, one of the past ones and you mentioned you're talking about meta emotions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about meta emotions. Meta emotions. Yeah. So meta, as I guess it's known in the world, in, in the internet especially, it's like, you know, kind of repeating something on itself, like a meme of a meme on the internet, right, is probably the first place I got exposed to, like, what is the idea of meta? And in emotions, it's just emotions about emotions, basically, right? Um, and I think in psychology, you would know better than I, um, there's kind of this idea of, like, primary emotions and then meta emotions mm-hmm. as, like, two separate things. Primary would be, like, your reaction to a situation, your emotional kind of how are you feeling about this situation? And then your meta emotions would be how do I feel that about. I felt this way mm-hmm. about this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there an example? Yeah, say more. Yeah, like um, if you, you know, are a person who gets anxious around, I don't know, in social situations. I think social anxiety is like super common. I've dealt with it in the past. I think you have as well. Yeah. Um, probably a lot of people feel anxious in social situations. And then something that I also experienced is like, I would get anxious that I'm going to be anxious in a social right. and situation. Then loops, yeah, and then it, it becomes this cycle that it was weird. Like when I was younger, especially, I had a lot of social anxiety and it was uh, a lot of it was around alcohol and drinking. Um, and it was almost like if I knew that I was going to go out ahead of time, it was like way more anxiety inducing because I had all this time to be like, I'm going to be there. Like, I'm going to take a sip. I'm going to feel like I have to vomit. Like, everyone's going to think like, what the fuck's going on? Like, imagine how embarrassing it's going to like, that was kind of my anxiety the narrative, yeah. narrative. But if it almost like came out of nowhere, like, oh, I'm not doing anything tonight. And then I'm like leaving school with someone and they're like, hey, we're all like getting together. You want to come? If that kind of just developed, then I wouldn't have as much of that anxiety in the situation. And it almost could be okay, like, 
it was more manageable because I didn't have all this time for that, like you said, that loop to like thinking, mm. start going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, it kind of, kind of it starts to layer on, getting thicker and thicker. So do you like notice it when the meta starts to build? And once you notice it, do you have a way of like, uh, like cutting it, breaking that cycle? Yeah, I think now I do. Uh, at first, definitely. I think it's a skill that you have to build, right? Like identifying, like, is this a meta emotion? Is this a primary emotion, right? Where is this anxiety coming from? It often just blurs together. And we could be anxiety, it could be any other emotion too. Um, for me, I think the, the things I look for are like, am I like telling myself that I, I should react away, right? Often I think this word should is like, should. that's, a thing to me that says like, why do I think I need to react anyway? Like mm. I'm not even totally in control of my emotions. So like, why do I put this power and this kind of mm. substantial pressure on myself to control that reaction, which I know I can't control and, and no one totally can. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. You know? So like, if I'm saying like, Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been so anxious. Like it was just a party. Right. Then that is like, okay, well, you know, I couldn't control it. Like that just happened, you know? And like in terms of dealing with it, yes, it's identify it first. And then I guess accept, just accept whatever you felt as you feel how you feel. Like it is what it is. Yeah. You feel how you feel. You don't, you're not deciding. I think that's something that a lot of people where the meta emotions come from probably are, are patterns from early in their childhood or other social experiences mm. that they've internalized about someone maybe got angry at them for being sad. And then they started telling themselves like, don't be sad or right. don't let people see that you're sad. Right. Then you internalize that you get mad at yourself for being sad. Right. right? Or something like this. Yeah. And then you don't recognize those patterns, especially when you're young. And then I think a lot of people, even when they're older, they don't recognize those patterns because they don't maybe have the time to do that inner that introspection, that work to figure it out and to work with their own emotions and accept them. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of... Uh, so I've been following this guy, uh, Dr. Uh, Gabor Mate. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He's this Hungarian... Um, Canadian physician okay. and what he talks a lot about so there's this thing called attachment theory yeah and uh, basically it's our, it's our primary instinct towards closeness and contact with others right yeah, yeah. initially the caregiver you know in our life and uh, so this attachment you know kind of sets the tone for all our relationships as we get older right and so what you're saying like when we have this authentic emotion and it's not acceptable to the outside, whether it's a caregiver or whoever. And so that we repress that because it competes with um, our survival that we need to be attached, right? So we kind of re- learn to repress that. And that shame, you know, that becomes covered with shame. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. So to that point, like, what I get really excited about, so one of the books in this room is uh, Dare, Daring Greatly. Yeah. And it's all about vulnerability. And... Yeah, and, and accepting shame as a natural thing that comes and goes, right? So curious, yeah, what does vulnerability mean to you? Vulnerability, I always connect with invulnerability. Interesting. And I think that it, if you can be vulnerable, then you can also be invulnerable, right? Mm. Like if you allow yourself mm. without 
any shame or without any fear to be vulnerable, no one can throw anything at you. Like you become invulnerable. It's like, like that scene in Eight Mile, right? Where the guy's about to, you know, battle rap him and tell him he sucks. And then he just says everything that that guy would say about himself. And it's almost like, yeah, like I'm vulnerable. Like this is who I am. Like, so what, you know, what are you going to say about me now? That's going to make me feel bad. You can't because I accept, I own who I am. Mm. You know, that's the power of vulnerability. Mm. That's powerful, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part? For a person to feel vulnerable, like to, to feel okay with it, you know, what do you think is the hardest part? I think probably, I think like you said before, it's probably attachment and, and social aspect of it. I think, I think a lot of people think there's a choice between uh, how vulnerable you are and how well your social life will be, right? Like if you're, you know, I think... Maybe you want to open up to someone. Maybe you just met them. They're a new friend. And there's some part of you you've probably shared with other people, right? Maybe there's a bad experience or just a weird feeling or, or something like this. Maybe you've shared it with someone before. You got a bad reaction. And then now that friendship was ruined. You might blame yourself and think, I can't be vulnerable anymore. I must shield myself, right, from that type of reaction. Or maybe you just stop seeking friendships and you know, that deters you from being vulnerable, right? You can be vulnerable alone, but I think that that social aspect is people view it as an either or. You can either be vulnerable and have basically no friends, or you can have a lot of friends and, you know, everything you do is surface level and just light and, oh, no, I don't have any real problems or emotions. I'm just a fun guy who does fun things all the time. At home, I'm still partying or <laughs> whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So to that point, yeah, like I guess like who you feel comfortable to open up with, right? Yeah. Um, by yourself, yeah. I mean, like, for example, um, you know, we all have moments where we cry. Maybe we prefer yeah. to cry by ourselves because other people may not feel comfortable with that. There's not always an example of crying. Um, like for me, one thing that's really important for me uh, is like homies, right? Like I get yeah. the homie vibe with you, like homies. that improv vibe where you can just say stupid shit and it's it's okay. You that's know? like the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I almost want you. What did you just say? Like that was a, that made my day. Like I can't like no matter how dumb it is, but almost the dumber it is, the better. <laughs> and so to that point, like. Uh, so even in, in comedy, right, uh, when you go on stage, there's an element of you're putting yourself out there and there's an element of vulnerability, right? So what, what is your general, what's your mindset when, uh, when you go on stage and perform? Yeah. My mindset is, well, I think the way that I approach comedy is like, there's just moments for my life to share, you know, I don't really sit down and write jokes too much. Um, sometimes I just play with words and that leads to a joke. Um, but usually it's like, there's moments in my life that I'm just like, I want to share this. Like there's something about this that will speak to other people. And when I'm performing, a lot of that is you have to put yourself out there, be vulnerable enough that like people are either going to get this or they won't. And that's not really up to you. Mm -hmm. Like you only have so much control. So part of it is letting go like of that 
you know, element of like, if I had only crafted the setup better, right. everyone would have understood my experience. <laughs> like sometimes you have a joke that's amazing for two people in the room and everyone else is staring at you like, huh? Like, who are you? Or like, maybe they even like judge you for it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I think it's fun. If I think it's funny, I'm going to say it up there and I'm going to get some element of joy just to see how people are reacting. Right. No matter if that's laughter or confusion or whatever it is, you know, yeah, yeah. just seeing how people react to something from my life. It's just it's exciting for me. It's a lot of adrenaline for me when I'm on stage, but mm. I just try to play it, play it calm. Play it cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a feeling of aliveness, right? No matter what the outcome. Yeah, the reason for me too is like there's this attention and you're holding it in a prepared and unprepared way and it's in this moment, right? Um, and yet, and some of the stuff gets remembered. Like uh, the next day after one of, your, one of your sets and my girlfriend and I were walking in the street and suddenly she remembered one of your jokes, which was, um, you know, I was, something about like when a Chinese person is, uh, is sending you a text. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, how are you? Ha 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 ha. And it's just like, what? Like, I didn't realize this was a funny situation. Like, is there something you want to let me in on? It's like, oh, good to hear you're okay. Ha ha ha. And it's just like, what? Like, my the first person who would do that to me is uh, like the teaching kind of uh, assistant visa person at my first job. Um, she would like, she would say something like, hey, we need to get this, uh, your passport photo. Ha ha. And I'd just be like, uh-huh, like, it's like, ta-da, or like, I didn't really understand if she thought it was funny or not, and then I would, like, mention it to her when I saw her, like, here it is, like, is something funny, it's like, no, we just, we just do that, like, that's just, it just keeps it light or something, I think is what she said, and I was right, like, right. I get that, I get that, but yeah, the cultural <laughs> difference just makes it seem like, like, you're laughing at me or something about <laughs> the situation I don't understand. Well, certainly. It's not really laughing. It's more just being like, hmm, like, good. Yeah. Like, it's all... Nothing to worry about. It's, yeah, yeah, it's all hunky-dory. Hunky-dory, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Um, so yeah. anything else? Yeah, yeah. yeah that connection, uh, people remembering stuff. I mean, I think that's rare. Mm-hmm. So if you, can, uh, if you can do that, I think it's... I think that's what it's really all about, is like, you bring something from your life... And then other people can share in that in whatever way. And yeah, like I said, too, a big part of it's like letting go of the control. Other people might interpret it in a totally different way than you meant, Mm. but it's still hilarious to them. And it gives them this interesting insight. I think laughter just speaks to like, damn, that's so true. Like some sort of revelation or understanding that's powerful, I guess, to people. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me. I, I I told some joke about like how you know uh, I think social awkwardness is always gonna be a thing. It's just how um, freshly we approach it in the moment. It's always gonna. I don't know. I feel like it's always gonna be awkward moments. You know, totally. even, even in this conversation. You know. Yeah. Um, and then so I made some joke about it, and then uh, like a few weeks later, um, uh, yeah, Shiraf, one of our uh, friends, she yeah. came up to me. She's like, you know, I also feel that awkward social awkwardness too and then like refer to that joke and, and like yeah it kind of it stayed there you know i even i, I even forgot about the joke i don't remember what the joke was but it, she came up to me and she told me she has that same feeling yeah and uh yeah 
Definitely. I, I feel like that's one of the most common. I'm, I think um, I think there's an evolution to how you feel about social awkwardness. I think that there's accepting it, but there's also like maybe first you f- it makes you more anxious. You might then over time get mad at yourself. Like meta emotions have a t- an arc, I think. They have a tendency like you start approaching your identity like your meta emotions are almost like how you see yourself. Why am I such a you know, anxious person, like, or you might get, it might make you sad eventually, like, oh, I was anxious about being anxious, then I was mad about being anxious, and now I'm just, like, giving up, like, I'm just gonna be an anxious person, like, why am I this, this poor anxious person, you know, um, and for me, I think it was, like, I went from being anxious to, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, I guess I had this air of, like, oh, like, why does anyone feel this? This is useless. Like, oh, I don't even need to feel this. Like, I, I don't think I feel it anymore. Do I? No. I don't. <laughs> like, I was always in denial, like, like a bargaining, a denial type of thing. And I remember, like, specifically, I, I used to write for, like, a comedy uh, magazine in college. And I wrote this one about, like, the uselessness of awkwardness. It was something like that. And it was just basically, like, why be awkward? Like, what is the point, you know, like, why, it was basically more like, why do you do, why do you care so much about what other people think, I'm, I, I don't, because I'm awesome, you know, it's like very much like a bit of a puff piece, uh, not in the way that that's usually meant, but <laughs> you know what I mean, and I think that, that I had to go through, for me, that was my journey through to acceptance, is first, I think that gave me some distance from my actual meta emotions, because I had this kind of commentary on other people's meta emotions that I connected to my own. Mm, and then, yeah. What gave you that distance? I think just like seeing other people. Uh, out, so, where the college I went to it was very, it was an engineering college, mostly male, very like nerdy, technical type of people. And personalities were not as socially developed as my own. Um, and I think I was very cocky about that when I was that age. So I think, you know, it was almost like I was viewing other people go through this thing that I had this big arc in high school that I had to go through about it to even be okay to drink in college. Like that was a big thing for me is that, you know, I achieved, that was something I achieved. Like I can drink alcohol at college. No one knows. It used to make me so anxious. I would like vomit after like a couple sips, you know, like that was a big arc for me. And I had this kind of now I'm like proud of myself, but like in a cocky kind of condescending way, honestly. And that was like a bit of distance that it was now it's them going through it. And, but that also was like, I hadn't fully accepted it. I just wanted to almost be done with it. You know, mm-hmm. I think I was still frustrated and that's I was putting it on them. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, it's their dumb problem. <sighs> like I'm over that. I'm too cool. Mm-hmm. But really that sarcasm often is just a language of anger. And I think that's kind of what it was a little bit is that I still had a little bit of that anger and then letting go of that anger was the final step of like other people go through what I went through, like is totally something that happens. And so what? Like shit happens. That's life, you know? Right, right, right. So the evolution of, I feel like <laughs> the relationship we have with our emotions, right? It's a thing we can't escape. It's more like, and like you said, like it's beautiful. Like there's parts we can control and there's some parts we can't. Like the the actions, like we can't control what thoughts we think, right? Thoughts come and go, like, right? Um, but we can choose the actions we take. 
Yeah, and the evolution of a person's relationship with their emotions is really interesting. And that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about. Right? Definitely, yeah. And I, I would say, you know, it's hard to talk about a little bit just because everyone's evolution will be a little different. Mm -hmm. um, based on, yeah, early relationships, how you view other people's meta-emotions, the, the, you know, like you said, attachment styles that you have with people. Are you more introverted? Are you more extroverted? I, I think introverts tend to have an easier time dealing with it just because they're like, cool, I can be alone if other people don't accept how I feel. But I think extroverts, there's a certain amount of anxiety that's from being away from other people. Mm. And then when you kind of marry that to, you know, the attachment and then the repression of emotions, it's like they will choose the attachment over really accepting their emotion. And an introvert might just be like, whatever, like the attachment's not super important to me. I have, you know, one friend and that's like all I need, you know? So speak to that. Uh, so you've been in Chengdu how long now? Uh, almost two years. Two years now. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, who was uh, like one of your first homies where, you know, good friends in Chengdu when you first came? First homies? Um, Warren. Definitely Warren West. Shout out Warren West. Warren, yeah. If you're out there. Well, love you, man. Yeah. Wonderful person. Uh, amazing individual. I think Penny also. I actually met Penny a little bit before Warren. Warren's just the first person that... Uh, came to mind uh, Damon shout out Penny shout out Damon <laughs> shout out <laughs> um, yeah uh, there's, there's others but yeah, I'm not going to construct a list right now sure, suppose, sure, but sure. those are just the people that come to mind yeah what what made what gave you that feeling that you, that, you know that closeness with them yeah. um, I think that I at first didn't meet people that felt like there was a lot of depth in what I was doing, uh, if that makes sense. Like, okay, uh, these people want to talk about, you know, this or that small talk, yada, yada. And then I think I met, I met both Damon and Penny at the same time through the vegan share group, shout out vegan share group, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> shout out Lily, who I think was the start of that Warren's girlfriend, uh, shout out Ari and Mark who are, uh, right now the admins of that group. Um, and they just, yeah, there was like another level with them where it was just like, here's something you'll notice about, you know, this culture compared to other cultures. And like, there's a lot of like higher level kind of discussions that were like, you know, whatever you experience, like other people have dealt with it, you know what I mean? And it's almost like, in a way, like, it's, I feel like getting here, a lot of people will put you up a peg just because, oh, you're this foreigner, you're doing this crazy thing, you're doing this experience. But that was almost just like, no, you're still just a person, like, mm -hmm. and we are just people, like, this is back home. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'll happen. And, you know, that kind of level of just acceptance where it's not such a big deal. It's not mm -hmm. like life or death that mm -hmm. you're frustrated with your boss. Like, of course, you know, you're frustrated with your boss. That happens, whatever. Like, let's move on to something really fucking interesting, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think with, with those type of people the conversation just tended to go deep really quickly and it was just like, okay, this is cool. Like, there's a lot to, you know, uncover and discover with these people and, and to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to have that, right? Yeah. It's good to have that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we sign out of here, this is a, this is a, this is a little question series. I, believe, series, I have yeah. a big belief on um, the right reflection can lead to the right action. 
right? Okay. And the right string of questions can create the right awareness, right? Yeah. So this is a little string. Uh, can I share with you? Yeah. Please right. do, please. So uh, what is a hard thing that you did recently? A hard thing? I think a hard thing I, I just did before this was uh, doing this kind of screen test for this movie, getting myself into this, like, different mind space of, like, I, I think usually... I come across as kind of like a light person and, you know, like maybe sometimes I'm a little bit like, eh, yeah, I'm not interested or something, but I'm not usually like intense in a way like that I directed at people in, in, in such a way that I had to for this movie and be, you know, kind of angry and afraid and desperate and putting myself in that mind space was a bit of a journey. It was difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. What made it like that difficult? I think just, I mean, it's it's far from what I've experienced. I haven't been kidnapped before. <laughs> Luckily, knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, like, I haven't even been in, like, a situation where I was, like, totally afraid like that for good reason. Maybe, like, you know, psyching myself out about something. I might have been afraid. But um, so so finding, like how I could relate to that character was what made it difficult, right? Because I've probably, I've only seen it in movies in non-real situations, you know? Mm-hmm. To find a way to relate with that character. Yeah. That was a difficult part. Yeah. And then what helped you, uh, what helped you go through it? Like, What helped me go through it? Um, well, Rudy, my girlfriend, shout out Rudy. Uh, she went to film school, so she like really helped me with the lines and like put me there like, of like, you know, Listen, you've been kidnapped, you're waking up in this dark place, probably been knocked out for hours, maybe you were drugged, like, giving all that, like, kind of, uh, like, foundation and structure to the experience. It's like, oh, you know, breaking it down into these little pieces of, like, um, okay, first this and that, you were in a car accident, like, okay, putting all those things together and, like, trying to feel how that feels, like, bit by bit, putting them together, like, okay... And now let me relate it. You've had a headache before. You've been dehydrated. You woke up hungover before. So finding those relatable components of it mm-hmm. and then just like, I've got to magnify this, right? So you know, I'm coming to and like my, my voice should be like a little bit like, ah. I should be like kind of squinting like the lights too much. Like, oh, I know what the feeling like of a bad headache. Just kind of like have that expression. And then I think watching myself doing that too, it's like, oh, okay, I see on my face those feelings and it kind of starts to build. You start building up and getting comfortable in that space that you've now scaffolded accurately enough that mm-hmm. you can really perform it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those reference points sort of help you inhabit that mind space. Right. And so you're a support with from Rudy, and yeah, so you, you find yourself in that, and then you kind of uh, express that character, and it's kind of a part of you now, yeah? You just kind of you try to get a little lost in it which I think at a certain point it was like um, I was doing the lines and then, and then at another point it became I'm, I'm doing the character and maybe some of the lines are changing or moving and that was almost like at first I was a little bit anxious about that like oh is this going to be okay or, and, then it, and then Rudy was like no this is good they're, they're guidelines you know, like I was saying before, the lines are just guidelines. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Like, you don't have to nail every word. You don't have to say the exact, you know, way that it's phrased. But yeah. you just need to hit the beats and get those emotions there. Beats. That makes yeah. it believable. Right, right, right. That's pretty cool. It's a cool experience. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What's the main thing you learned? Um, 
I don't know. I think the main thing I learned is that I can do it. <laughs> like, I feel like I went in there and, uh, yeah, the director was, was very happy with the take I did. It was one take and he was like, you can do this. It's very good. You know, like he wasn't concerned at all. And then he said that to me a couple of times and I was just like, cool. I learned that I can, I can do that. And mm-hmm. I approached, I approached it like, uh, any other, I mean, music for me is the thing that I'm familiar, more familiar with. So it was just like, okay, I'm running these lines. Start with the first one. Okay, say it. You're looking at the music, right? Okay, now look away from the music and try to play it. Uh, uh, and then, you know, do two lines, do three lines, do four, you know, and then start going back from the beginning. Do it all, do it all together, you know, do it faster, do it slower, change this, change that, right? Until you've, like, done enough of it that inside of you. You've internalized, like, a whole thing about it, and it just flows out of you. It flows, yeah, seamlessly. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, at least to give you confidence. Yeah, to um, that you can do that. I'm really interested in the yeah, support yeah. moments, you know, and even like uh, when when I do podcasts, for example, you know, yeah. I have some you know some questions, things I'm interested in, other person sort of offers to the table, you know, um, but there's always uh, moments where I fumble, you know, and that's what it kind of keeps me into it. It's like it's like I'm so obsessed with listening. I feel I feel the world is like full of distractions and dependencies and overvalued conveniences, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we become better listeners, we get less caught up with those things, you know. And uh, as obsessed as I am with this practice, it still gives me the biggest challenge, you know. And so even in, when we do the podcast, like there's the support moments, you know. Um, that kind of keeps it alive in the moment, you know. And like with uh, with your example, with really like uh, giving you those support moments, you know. And at the end of it, you have this new re- newfound confidence, you know. And this. So, uh, any final thoughts before we? Uh, can I ask questions? Is this just oh. a one way thing? Sure. Yeah. Do we have time? It's conversational. Oh, look, we're running out. Uh, we. So, how long has this podcast been going on? So with B now, it's been like fifty episodes now. Yeah. That's when more. did you When did you start uh, recording? Back in, I think, I think during my master's, maybe back after my master's, I graduated in 2011, so maybe after that. Really? Okay, so this has been on for years. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. What do you, yeah, how has it evolved for you? Like, how do you see, do you listen to the old episodes sometimes and you're like, oh, like, I had a good idea, but now it's like this instead, or? Yeah, yeah, I listen to some from time to time. Um, Yeah, especially ones that, I think the ones I listen to one the ones I've listened to more are actually the ones where there's a there's this vulnerability. Yeah. Where a person is really showing their true emotion, you know? Right. Because that's I feel like that's where we get the most learning when someone is like that's difficult, you know. It's not like I'm not like yeah. no the master. How do you do that? How do you make that this space like yeah. that people just come on here and it's like maybe I mean some of them know you pretty well, but others maybe not. So I think that's probably harder, right? How do you yeah. Just get them to be like, this is this is my shit. <laughs> and like, take this shit and grow. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, I guess, uh, I guess it starts with myself, right? Uh, being able to listen to myself, what's going on in my own head. Like, if I have too much noise in my head about what's going to happen later or yesterday, if that volume is too high, I can't listen to the other person. So I try to be aware of that first. And... The voices and the nerves, where are they, you know, where do they need to be? Breathing really helps me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just belly breathing, just like slow exhale. Yeah. Just kind of, I guess, the, on the control piece, like controlling the nervous system. 
um, is an interesting thing. Like, I talk about emotion, uh, relationships a little bit. Yeah. And the most important relationship is the one with our own nervous system, right? What do you mean by that? Uh, it's such a dynamic organ. We're dynamic organisms. Yeah. And so, like, just being in touch with that moment by moment. Um, and just, uh, you know, you, you, like all your sensations yeah. and your thoughts and yeah. your thoughts about your sensations and yeah. <laughs> your thoughts yeah. about your thoughts and your feelings about your thoughts about your sensations. Yeah, the whole layered cake. Just all <laughs> yeah. Getting to know every layer. Yeah. That's interesting. Relationship with your nerve. It's like your relationship, your, your nervous system's relationship with itself. Mm. right it's like <laughs> yeah and, and so <laughs> that's a lot and so you just try yes. to be a clean mirror right Ooh, so once like uh, that. you know once you sort of scrub that internally yeah. like i guess it starts with the internal environment right right and then uh, and it, it's difficult you know because um yeah you know we're complex creatures you know we're, we're always learning so yeah that, that's what makes it fun I, I think the willingness and the commitment to keep learning i think that's um, yeah, what let's listen and the conditions for listening is what lets creativity thrive, right? Yeah. yeah. Has the has the pace of the podcast like picked up? I know you said it's like what nine to wait, what did you say twenty eleven? Ten years now? Jeez, twenty eleven is ten years ago. It's insane. Yeah. But is the pace picked up? You've done like fifty, so is it are there more episodes in the past year or is it like kinda scatter? It's um so yeah the ones that I did before was they were on like I- iCloud it's like a different platform okay and uh, I wanted to carry them yeah. over to the the new like on Spotify and other stuff but kind of lost I yeah they kind of like I lost my USB at some point so I lost oh, those files the lost <laughs> yeah. one day we'll like <laughs> reclaim yeah. the lost files <laughs> be now yeah wow yeah because yeah, I noticed like when I was going back I like can't go all the way back like. I think the earliest episode is maybe like 20 something that I could find, but maybe I was like, maybe it's just WeChat. I don't know how to use the yeah, podcast WeChat. and WeChat. Yeah. If you go to Spotify um, or iTunes, yeah, it goes all the way up to the first one. I think the first okay. one I did was with uh, Eric. Um, Eric Erickson? What was his last name? Eric but he's Erickson. a German dude. <laughs> what a name. Yeah. Uh, he's a German dude, super cool guy, entrepreneur. Um, he's back in Germany now. But yeah, he's one of those guys, super supportive, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, you know, that, that makes or breaks of experience being in, you know, abroad. So, yeah. Yeah, the support moments, like you were saying before. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Where do you see this thing going? Where is this train headed? Good question. Yeah. Into the unknown, man, you know. We're at Stephen Station. What's the itinerary yeah. after this? Yeah. You know what it is? It's uh, it's two better questions. Better questions. Better, better yeah. questions. Yeah. I like that thing you said before about like, being a clean mirror. Mm. That's really cool. I like that. How does, what do you think about it? Well, I think there's so much in that metaphor to unpack, right? There's, for, first of all, it's like, I mean, that, what you're doing, you're a facilitator, really, right, mm-hmm. of conversation right. In, in this role. Um, and I guess it would be easier to explain the opposite of, like, being a dirty mirror or a, a funhouse <laughs> mirror would almost distort the other person's, you know, the, the reflection of them that you're capturing, right? And so being a clean mirror, yeah, it's like you have to put the work in to polish yourself. Constantly, yeah. To be reflecting whatever is gonna come your way mm. yeah that's that's cool there's a lot there yeah and being okay that it's gonna it's like being really okay with imperfections right mm-hmm. like 
Yeah, because nobody's perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what's giving me the most self-trust, is that just almost like accepting that perfection doesn't exist, you know, right. on this plane of existence, at least, you know. So when I accept that within myself, I think that's what lets other people be okay with that part of themselves, too. You know? Right. And, and yeah, that energy can flow. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of times when people are not okay with that, it's because... I think one of my first therapists said something to me like, usually you get the most angry about something someone else did because you're mad at yourself for the same thing, right? right? And it's easier to get mad at them easier, yeah. than at yourself. Yeah. And you're almost like pushing these emotions out onto them. Like a lot of, and, and that is, everyone does that, right? And one of, one of these things that, that I live by is like, don't let other people's problems become your problems. Like people consciously or unconsciously are going to try to make their problems your problem. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the way you dress or like, why are you so chill, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like people will, and they won't say it, you know, as caricature, like as I just did. Right. But it'd be like little things usually and microaggressions you might say mm. about, they, they almost want to like put a piece of themselves in, in your head, a piece of their ego. They want to attach to you. Right. They almost want to colonize your headspace. Colonize it. Yeah. It's like, but people will do that. And, don't I mean don't blame them you you probably tried to do it too and you didn't realize it mostly it's unconscious but just don't let just don't let their problems become your problems i mean it's not that easy but it's like just recognize like there's a part of them that wants to convince you to see yourself in a way don't internalize it like just let it go like who knows why they want to do that you don't know you don't know they people don't do it in this way like hey listen my uh my dad was really mean to me when I was younger and he kind of made me feel lesser than all the time because he compared me to my bigger brother. Anyway, something about you reminds me of my bigger brother. And I think like you just come across as too cocky to me. So I'm going to tell you that you need to be less cocky in like a subtle way to like get on your nerves a little, mm. you know, people don't unpack it for you like that. Mm. And if they did, you'd be like, Oh, I can get why you'd feel that way. Like, that's understandable. Like, thanks for being so open and vulnerable. <laughs> but no, usually you get that, just that top layer of like, why are you so cocky? What's up with that? You know, and then it's like a bit of like, and you can react to that either doing the same thing back to them. Like, why are you coming up? Why are you doing that? You know, or whatever. Or you can internalize it. And like, I think a lot of nicer people tend to internalize things and then make it their problem. Like, I have to care about everyone and like I have to care what they think in that way. Mm -hmm. to, and, that, to, to that point. Yeah. How do you differentiate being a people pleaser versus just being a good person? Uh, I don't try to be a people pleaser at all. Right. Like I, there's no part of me that wants other people to be happy more than I want to do the right thing. And I know what the right thing is. Like I, there's not, I don't think that situations are as ambiguous as a lot of people would make it seem. I think things are clear, but maybe you don't have all the information, right? And in that case, like, you don't have to do something. Like, you can always wait and gather information and make a decision later. And if that in itself, delaying a decision because you're not ready to, if that makes other people uncomfortable, I view it as a, like a filter. Like, those people are telling you where you're at right now is not good enough for me. And if that's how they feel, then like, why would you want to be around that person anyway? Like, 
you're just pleasing them for what reason, you know? And obviously it's something uh, unconscious about, you know, oh, I, I want acceptance from this type of person because maybe in your past there's a type of person that you've desired that acceptance from as well and this is a stand-in or maybe it's just that you're kind of in this uh, mode where you want to make friends and you feel alone. That's a big part of it is like balancing loneliness with like who you really are, right? Mm. And but But, I mean, it's said so cheesily in like every, <laughs> like, show directed at teenagers but like just be yourself like you know don't fake it and it's just gonna be a problem like i don't think people pleasing even makes people happy Mm. people pleasing tends to backfire in the long run people get like why does this person want me to like them so much like what what's going on with that like it feels inauthentic for me i don't like people that are people pleasers in general like you know it just feels like I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me projecting something onto them. It probably is, but it, I just feel like, yeah. what's so great about me that you need to make me feel comfortable? Like I'm, I'm already, I got myself. You know, you, you can be comfortable over there without me being comfortable because of you. You know, like right, right. if you want to like have something happen between us and learn something and move together in synchronicity, sure. But like, there's no exchange we need to make. Right. To both be comfortable, right? You know, like right. It's almost like being okay with being at odds with discomfort. Being alone, aloneness is something that we can't totally escape. It's almost like what I'm hearing is like being okay with aloneness when it's coming. Being a good person, maybe it's coming from a space of being okay that you. At the end of the day, no one can poop for you. <laughs> no. They haven't figured out a way yet. <laughs> yeah. Not that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one can. No one can deal with your shit for you. That's right. That's that's, right. that's what you're driving at. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. No one can poop for you. That's a very like. Yeah, I, the way that I put it is much more like angry, but the way you put it is like, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I just remembered uh, before we signed out a little story. Um, yeah, because I realized, yeah, I think uh, you know, um, I know that I've observed this people pleasing among people, mm-hmm. also in myself, you know, yeah. and I, I, the best I can do is become aware of it. And so, for example. Um, <laughs> I was uh, after Road Dogs. Road Dogs is a cocktail yeah. part. So one night, um, uh, we had some drinks, and then that fizzled out. So we moved to, I was with my friend Chris, and we walked into the next thing. And on the way, we uh, saw one of my friends, and he was uh, with um, a girl. I have no idea what the relationship was like, but uh, we kind of like bumped into them. And we had a little conversation on the street, you know, just a quick little chat-chat, uh, joke-joke. And then just before we uh, want to leave, in my mind, I'm like, I want to finish this on a positive note. I just had a commitment. Just, you know, maybe it yeah. came from a people-pleasing thing, you know? Right. I want to finish on a positive note. And I was like, my friend and this with a girl. And uh, so I said, all right, guys, you guys just smash it now. You guys smash it. You guys have a good night. But, you know, when you say smash it. I think I see where the miscommunication yeah, yeah, yeah. occurred. <laughs> so it was low, yeah, yeah. And what did they? How was the? What was their reaction? And this they was laugh. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, they, was was they, it like awkward? They just played along with it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got some level. They, yeah, but I walked. Up, we kept going with Chris, and I told them what I what I just had internally. And we laughed at it, but yeah, yeah. So I noticed. It. Yeah. 
Where do you think that came from? That you were like, I need them to remember the end was positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, having um, pleasant transitions, I guess. Yeah, leaving a positive memory behind, eliminating the chance of any negativity, I guess. And uh, yeah, you think it's like a place of control, then is what it sounds like, right? I guess I, I, I want to control how people view this mm. moment or this memory, right? Mm. So if I can just do one positive, fun thing at the end, then that's all people will remember, versus maybe not remembering it at all. Or, but what's the problem with that? I mean, like I don't remember a lot of stuff. And like, I, I don't remember some meals that probably were really good and tasty, like, but I have no recollection, like, of what they are, but it doesn't mean they weren't good, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just being okay with, uh, yeah, at the end of it, you can't really control how the other person perceives it anyway. And I think that you'll probably get that result more often if you don't try, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, then you might almost just end up forcing it mm. in a way that seems, like, inauthentic and, like, what is going on or like like you said like maybe an awkward stumble isn't there always in like is a trope in like movies or tv like oh they're trying so hard to be funny or cool and then they like fail miserably and then when they just let go actually they're a nerd but they still have friends so it's okay you know what i mean like fine they could be a nerd they're good at robots or whatever like props to them that's like if people don't respect what you're into or the type of person you are then who cares what they think? I mean, like, they're clearly not the type of people that you want to win their respect. They're the type of people who, I don't know, like, they've got their own issues that they don't, they, don't let other people's problems become your problems. Like, right. you don't have to go there. You just, but don't get mad at them. Just accept that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. That's a really good thing to say to yourself. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it, it happened. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to go find out. We're not going <laughs> to conduct an investigation to find out why they weren't happy at that particular night that we it ended in that way. Yeah. You know, uh, two Just, things on that I'm hearing is like uh, savoring the mysteries. Yeah. Savoring the mysteries. And um, choosing what problems you want to dig yourself into. Right. Yeah. There's... I have like another thing like that connects to that, which is that like every, uh, I mean, all of us have problems, lots of problems. Like you said, no one's perfect. Um, every solution to a problem is going to create a problem. Every single, anything that you could think of that problems never just solved and that's it. You're done. Right. right? right There's right. always something else next. Right. Right. And the goal is just to make a smaller problem really right you just want to replace your problem of x stress size or magnitude or whatever you just want to replace it with another problem essentially through a solution that is a little bit smaller more manageable less stressful whatever i guess qualities of the new problem seem more acceptable to you that's all you're really trying to do it's not this big task to really you know like if if you listen to this podcast this episode today and you're like I am an anxious, I have social anxiety. I want to, I want to deal with my social anxiety. And maybe you have a strategy, you have a solution. At the end of the day, maybe you choose not to be social. That's a solution that many people choose for some time, for a long time, for a short time. 
at the end of the day, maybe you've created a problem now that you're lonely. Now you just have to figure out, is that a bigger problem for me than all the anxiety I feel in social situations? Right. And it's never a final decision. You can go back and be like, now this problem's bigger. I'm going to go back and try to solve the social anxiety problem because I'm more lonely than anxious now. Right. You can always create new problems and solutions. And that's just all that life is. That just goes on and on and on. Mm. So just revel in it. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's fun. Mm. You never know what's going to happen. Mm. Well, I enjoyed reveling in this conversation, man. Yeah, we yeah. we reveled. We reveled. <laughs> we reveled. <laughs> we reveled. Well, well, I, I, yeah, fifteen minutes. I feel like we can keep going. Yeah, um, two parter. Yeah, part two. Part part two. The revel, <laughs> the reveling. <laughs> part two. What did we put out? Like a <laughs> put out a uh, parody of the revenant called the rev. No, that just sounds no revelant. Revelant. The relevant revelant. The relevant relevant. <laughs> this is a lot of relevant revelant. <laughs> We're gonna do it in the icy mountain. To, uh, yeah, and we're just like in like really warm clothes. We got like hot cocoa. We're like, this is great. <laughs> I don't know why Leo had such a hey. Look, it's a bear, and the bears like <laughs> the bears like seem scary, and then he's just like, ah, oh, I just wanted some food, and we're like, come chill. Like it's cold, man. You want a coat? He brings cocoa. <laughs> the bear, cocoa comes. Where, where does she come from? No, the bear cocoa. brings her. <laughs> She's <laughs> <laughs> into our our tent i don't know where we we're out on a mountain yeah. and maybe we have a mountain villa and we're like rich people that we're on our porch and there's a bear and they're like what's up bear we know you want some berries why aren't you hibernating it's the winter like aren't you cold and he says no <laughs> we're like what what's the problem you can't sleep <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to shut up on that. <laughs> and then we get angry at him, and then he says, "Oh, just bear with me. Just bear." <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And then he kills us, and it's a it's a grisly scene. <laughs> all right, we're we gotta end the bear puns yeah, there, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we gotta move, <laughs> move on to something I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's sign off here and leave it for the sequel. Yeah, leave it. We'll leave it for the sequel. For the sequel. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts? Don't think that a new problem is like a like. Don't think a new problem is. I was gonna say a problem. I mean, I guess it is, but like, a new problem is like always going to come. And love maybe, the process. Yeah, maybe you've chosen the right one this time. So like, the problem's not a bad thing. I guess is what I'm trying to say. A mm-hmm. problem in programming. You just move from error to error, and like the best sign is often that you have a new error. So a new error is a good thing. It means you're moving forward. So right. that process is interesting and fun. And makes you, you learn a lot. Yeah, it makes you human. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah.